get the twisty boy. Oh, yours sounded good. Mine did not sound good. No, that was yours that made the noise. Oh, really? I just went like this. Here, click it. Thank it. Okay. All right. Welcome back to the Back to the Roots podcast, uh, the podcast where I just talk to my friends about random crap. Uh, today we have Stephen Hedges, Hello. Stefan Hedges. Stefan. It's a quick Easter egg to the uh, Eat My Shorts episode. Did you listen to that one where we made fun of your name? <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> is that, is we, that a thing? We made fun of a lot of people's names, but we pronounced yours. <laughs> Stefan Hedkiss. It's like my, my French alter ego if I was an artist. Stefan. Stefan. If you do that, you really have to grow out the mustache and just have this pencil mustache. Absolutely. Uh, today we're drinking Jones uh, Rip Beer. Uh, Fantastic. Jones Soda, as those of us in the Midwest know. We're pretty familiar because it comes from Jones, Michigan, which is like 30 minutes away. I was not familiar with that, but mm-hmm. that is awesome. So these are local, has a nice classic root beer flavor. Um, I'm still, I did find this really great spot actually today. I was out hunting for shops where I could buy gourmet or just. I thought you were about to say you were out hunting and I was like, what has happened to you? In the <laughs> I've last gone full Joe Rogan. I started a, a podcast <laughs> and now I'm a hunter. So I was out hunting and I just found these root beers. We're looking for venison for the week. <laughs> um but no i did find this random little hole in the wall shop called the pop shop which has yes have you been there i don't know if i've been but i'm i've heard the name the pop shop many times dude and i feel like i see people post about it and it looks cool it's like on 933 it's like the most hole in the wall looking place ever sounds great yeah but yeah you walk in and there's like they have like cigars and like all kinds of you know alcohol and whatever but then there's like a whole wall it's just gourmet soda nice there's I, apparently there's a kiss as in kiss the band branded root beer. Really? <laughs> yeah, a couple different kinds of it. So we're gonna work our way I there. I know about this. I'm just working my way down the wall, but I'm okay. definitely gonna go back. Okay. Interesting. But Stephen, you were just in Iceland. I was just right? in Iceland. How was that? I we haven't talked at all since you got back. You were there for like two weeks, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a two week trip. Um, it was actually I think I think we were there twelve or thirteen days. Our flight ended up getting delayed. So we had to spend a day in New York. Oh, well, that's not that's not too bad. It wasn't. Were um, you just in the airport? Did you like hang around? No, I actually ended up leaving the airport and going and spending the night at a hotel. Nice. Um, but my relatives I was meeting up with weren't in town yet, so I stayed the night my alone in Queens, and <laughs> I walked down awesome. to get fried chicken, and I was the only white person I saw <laughs> the entire place, and I. You know that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, but just the the, the area was terrifying, and I, I was scared for <laughs> that my life. Sounds super racist. Uh, it, it's really not. It's it sounds it sounds a lot worse than what I'm trying so to you're, say. But your hotel was just in a sketchy part of town. It was in a sketchy part of town. That's that's all I'm trying to imply here. And I mean, hats off to all the people of different races there. That's that's great. I just I just didn't feel welcome. <laughs> That's fine. I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily feel welcome in any part of New York. It's just like it's, it's a thing. It's overwhelming. I think it's got its own energy. People couldn't understand me there. Really? My, I I said stuff, or maybe they could. I'm sure they could understand what I was trying to say, but they would have me like, they're like, say that again, because they all had you know Brooklyn accents, and they thought my voice was weird. Say that. <laughs> I can't do New York. Say that again. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not it at country. all. That's not it at all. I can do like an Italian, like uh, say that again. But is that I don't know what's like the classic Queens, 
Like, hey, yo, say that again. Is it Italian? Is is that where the whole Italy... I, I don't know. All the immigrants? Yeah. I don't I'm going to stop trying to do accents and talking about other people's races that I don't understand. That's a good call. You okay. might get flagged. Yeah, uh, but, okay, so you weren't... <laughs> My first the- time on the air, I get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hedges canceled at the ripe age of 20? Didn't last long. You're 20, right? Almost. Almost 20. <laughs> Almost 20. Um, but I heard, I heard, okay, so you weren't, this wasn't a trip to New York. No. Uh, this was a trip to Iceland. So like, Iceland. who did you go with? I went with my aunt and uncle. Um, so my mom's sister and her husband, Josh. Um, they're very experienced travelers. So they, they've done a lot of traveling overseas and actually lived in Scotland for a little under Dang. a year. So, That's cool. Um, yeah, if, uh, it was my first time out of the country. So there really weren't better people to go with. Did your uncle wear a kilt? He did not wear a oh, kilt. That's a bummer. <laughs> it, it it really is not a bummer. I'm <laughs> I'm okay with that. Dude, okay. So say say you're hanging out with your uncle uh and he's like, "Hey, let's go to Scotland." So he's like, "Let's go back." And you like meet him at the airport and he's like, "Oh, yeah, he's wearing a kilt and he hands you one." Would you put it on? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. That's like such an experience. There's that no would doubt like, about it. That would enrich the Scotland experience to me, although I'd feel kind of sacrilegious about it. Because Is that I'm, a thing in Scotland? Isn't that where the, the yeah, it's the Scots who wear uh, kilts, right? Really? That's I did it. Not know yeah, that. it's like the Scotland people, they wear the kilts and they play the bagpipes. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I don't know about this stuff. No, but... you, can, you can Google it and fact check me. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but you went with your aunt and uncle. Um, yeah. You saw Emma Watson at a at a coffee shop. I did. Did I tell you about that? No, you told uh, Matt and Matt told me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was our last day there, actually. We were in Reykjavik, the capital city, Uh and uh, we had just driven there that morning. Um, We drove the whole ring road in Iceland. So we were... What's the the ring road? It just goes around the whole island. Which is... How big is the island? Oh. Like if you were... Like you don't have to say numbers, but just like if you were to drive straight across it, how long would it take? I want to say maybe take seven to ten hours to drive straight across... Okay, that's, that's so, a guesstimate. I could totally be wrong. So it's all like the geographical people. It's like two Michigans wide, roughly. Uh, maybe ish. Maybe I, like Michigan. I, I want to say their population was around three hundred thousand. Okay, something in the whole country. Um, so very small for a country. Right. Um. So yeah, we we uh we landed um near Reykjavik, the capital city. We started there and we made a ring road around the island and came back to Reykjavik. Gotcha. To end for our last day. Um, so we were, we were in this coffee shop, and um, it, was, it was a super cool place. The decor was, was on point. Food was good. It was just a good vibe. Do you remember what it was called? I do not remember what it okay. was called. I can, I can see. I may have it on my phone somewhere. Um, but we're there, and you know, we were about to leave, and I decided to take a picture of the place. So I'm, I'm taking a picture of, of one of the walls there. They had all these interesting maps on the wall. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking a picture of the maps, and my uncle comes up behind me. He's like, hey, be cool. But Emma Watson is sitting right by the door. And the thought that instantly goes through my head is, okay, he's got to be mistaken. It's a lookalike. Yeah. You know, something like that. And I walk out the door and, I mean, my jaw just hit the floor. I was like, nope, that's that's most definitely Emma Watson with this super interesting, like, kind of dark purple, thick wool coat on. It looked like something that only a celebrity could pull off wearing. Was she just like chilling, like by herself? I'm pretty sure she shop? was sitting. I was so spaced out yeah. that the that Emma Watson was sitting there. Yeah, you probably um, got kind of tunnel visioned. I was just like, "Whoa, what? that that's Hermione," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I, I believe she was she was talking with somebody. She was sitting down and was eating. So it 
it wasn't, you know, one of those things where you could stop and ask for a picture exactly. Right. Um, well, I mean. I think she was with somebody. Gotcha. Yeah. But she was just chilling in a coffee She's shop. Just chilling in a coffee shop. It's so weird. It's run through my mind because I'm talking to Matt and uh, he's like, yeah, like he saw Emma Watson. I'm like, no freaking way. And he's like, and he didn't say hi. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, it was, it was, I get it. I get it. Because I've often asked myself that question. Like if I were to see right. a celebrity in public, like would I have the balls to walk up and be like, hey, can I get a picture? Well, it's not or so like, much that it'd be scary to do it. It, it. it really like the whole the whole vibe there was super chill. It wouldn't have been that awkward to go up, but mm-hmm. it more just would have felt like a like an awful thing to do. Just interrupting yeah. this person that's just trying to, right. you know, sit there and enjoy some time in public, you know. I'd right. I would have felt like a jerk. You have to ask yourself though, too, would uh I totally get where you're coming from. But if you're a celebrity and you know you're a celebrity and right. you're you put yourself in like a situation where you're sitting in public, then like they're probably expecting it. You're expecting it. Maybe they even want it. It's possible. Maybe they're looking for attention. It probably depends how new to being a celebrity they are. That's true. I have a feeling it gets old after a certain number of years. Yeah, she's probably. I don't know. Emma Watson seems like the kind of person who kind of flies under the radar. I never hear yeah. any drama or anything around her. No, I I, I haven't seen it, but um, I think my aunt or uncle that I was with said that she's very quiet on on media and and whatnot. So where does she? Do you know where she lives? I have no idea. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure she's not an Iceland native. No, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure she's from the UK because everybody, if Did, I'm not mistaken, in the Harry Potter movies was was European. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if uh, I haven't seen her in a ton. Um, but okay, so you saw Emma Watson. Hold on, I'm gonna Google it real quick. Where is Emma Watson? Where was she born? Uh, she was born in Paris. She's French. Really? Yeah. Okay. How about that? Wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, you know, actually, I could see it. She's kind of, she's small, and all French people are small. Talk about actually being racist. <laughs> I can say that because my <laughs> grandpa was French. He was 100% French, and he uh, he was in the Navy, oh. like, in, in, he came to the U.S., and then he was in the Navy in World War II, but everybody called him Shorty because he was so short. Wowzers. So I can say that. That's rough. <laughs> but when you think of France, you don't think of, like, big, towering dudes or people in general. I do. Really? No. <laughs> That's just it's a land of giants to you. I'm I'm still the That's why they then. built that giant metal structure because they're so small. They're like, we need to build something. It's compensation bigger. for their whole race. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Iceland. Um, what were yeah, I mean, while we're talking about races, like what were the Icelandic people like? Um so I believe Iceland is the fittest country in the world. Dude, yeah. So I didn't see a single fat person over there. I, I kid you not. Um, if I saw anybody remotely overweight, they were a tourist. Yeah. Nobody nobody over there was was fat. So that was strange. Um, people are, are really tall over there. Really? You know, I, I think I'm even at like six foot. So I'm Yeah, average, you're not short. You know, whatever. Uh-huh. I went over there and I was the short guy. Really? Like it was everybody was tall. And I just had the thought go through my head, like I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the dating scene here because I can barely compete height wise with the women here. Oh. <laughs> well, you so. never, dude, you never know. I mean, some of the women they're probably tired of all these tall guys, and they just want a short guy. Short. I, I mean, you're not know. even short, but, but that's interesting. I didn't realize. I've never really thought of. I think I've always thought that. Oh, I mean, Iceland, like six four, six five. That was that was normal. Really, people were really really tall. But then every once in a while, you'd see somebody that was just so tiny. I mean, like like five six. So these these real small dudes, and I'm like, interesting. Oh, okay, and they look, 
to be fair, they did look extra small over there because of because of, of the, the surroundings. Um, huh. But yeah, every once in a while, I just see a, you know the total toothpick walking down the street after seeing these really tall people, and I'm like, okay. Do they all just kind of speak English? Like, what's the English is is really common over there. They do have you know the native native um, Icelandic language, mm-hmm. um, which I have no idea how to speak. <laughs> which uh, I'd be impressed if you did. Yeah, I went to Iceland for two weeks. Yeah, I just picked it up. Thanks now to I Duolingo. speak fluent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, English was definitely common. Um, I would say almost anybody I had a conversation with spoke really fluent English, which nice. is actually really impressive. Um, I had an easier time communicating with the Icelandic people than I did the people in Brooklyn. <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, I, I can say that pretty honest. And I could understand the Icelandic people's English better than I could understand the English from the people in Brooklyn. You know, I can see that. For some reason, like their their stuff was just riddled with, you know that that Italian accent and f bombs, and it was <laughs> you know that that was the word I could I could frequently recognize from the from the New Yorkers. That's fair. That's a it's a hard word to miss, regardless of the accent. It is. But I feel like yeah, I think I think like uh, Americans just get they get lazy with the English language where I'm guessing in other countries where they speak multiple languages, they actually put some effort into the languages that they're speaking. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Um, were they nice over there though? Or were they like, cause I feel like Iceland has really become like a popular tourist spot. It has more in the last few years. I, I think probably um, thanks to that. Uh, Walter, Walter Mitty movie. Yes. We watched Walter Mitty in Iceland. Did you ride um, a longboard while you were there? I did not. Ah. I knew better than to try. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that movie when it first came out, and I, I didn't remember a thing from it. So watching it in Iceland was like watching it for the first time, and it was it was the mood. It was, I do, it was great. You know the volcano scene, the eruption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do remember because I saw that movie in theaters too. It was Graham and Ben. Oh, and in yeah, that yeah. scene, we just we just lost it. We were, <laughs> I mean, we were like whatever, fourteen or fifteen years right. old, so we we're immature. We would probably still lose it today, though, to be honest. Yeah, it's funny, um, but we didn't run into any eruptions over oh, there. That's that was good. nice. We did see a volcano. Um, that was cool. Was it a? Is it like a live volcano or is it? Dormant? Yeah, yeah. We went to an active volcano, and it was it was linked. Their magma chambers were linked to another volcano. Um, a couple hours away, I believe. And That's so wild. the way it works is when one of them goes off, the other one erupts 10 years later <laughs> because their magma chambers are linked. Apparently, that's that's what I'm told. That's fascinating. Who figured that out? I have no idea. So so we went to we went to one, it was active, and then we went to the other place and I didn't realize that we were standing on a volcano. I mean, it was just it looked like normal ground to me. Yeah. Um, but my aunt pointed out, she's like, "Hey, we're we're at that spot. It's an active volcano. The magma chambers are linked." So that other one erupted 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we were standing on the ground of a volcano that was one year past due of erupting. And it, it that oh, was right. That was a strange feeling. Um, so literally, like, for all you knew, it could have gone off at any moment. I, I think that they have ways to track it over there so they know when an eruption is happening, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I'm sure they have. I'm sure they do. But like, yeah, it's, it's not as adventurous as it sounds, but it was a little scary being like, oh, man, this this place was supposed to blow a year ago and we're here now and it still hasn't blown up. So any second, you know, well, that's like Yellowstone, too, except Yellowstone there could like go. wipe out all of humanity. So. Right. Yeah, let's. Yeah, that's a 
that's always that's really freaky to think about especially you know you're watching like all these discovery channel shows and stuff and exactly i think they're just they're hungry for another disaster as dwight says we need a new plague we got that in the last year we did but it was (laughs) i was i was at a campfire the other day and we're all talking about it we're joking about needing a new plague and, and wanting there to be an apocalypse and we're like yeah the last one wasn't wasn't good enough Oh. It wasn't as good as we thought it was. As we were hoping hungry it was for more. Be. We were like, we can move that table a little bit if you want, so you can oh, actually lean back. I can just spin it. I already spun it earlier. Oh, it spins. Well, it spins in the sense of anything else spinning. Okay. Just lift your side and we'll pivot it. There you go. Let me just you. swing your thing. Um, but uh, 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 yeah. Like we, me and this group of friends are all very much. Um, we kind of want crap to hit the fan for me it would probably it's because it would simplify things yeah because right now there's just there's so much there's so much you got to worry about with society like your social status and money and retirement and all that the pressures of the real world yeah you know it's it's a thing It, it is but if crap hits the fan and all that goes out the window then you're just like all right survival do what you got to do. I think that every, <sighs> at least a lot of people I've talked to, every man, if they're being honest with themselves, has this desire for the world to be stripped down to just survival of the fittest. Yeah. I, I think everybody, in a way, romanticizes the idea of that happening and, oh, totally. and wants it to happen. You know, I there's a part of me that just loves the idea of being camped up with like a few other people. And just having a sniper rifle and and rations of food for the week. Yes. I don't pay taxes. I don't worry about going to my job. You know, there's there's just all these all these things that that are pressures we have to deal with. And I think, in a way, it sounds nice to have none of those and just have it down to like, you either survive or it's worst case scenario. Yeah. The thing that scares me the most, I actually, uh, <laughs> I feel like I I don't hunt. Because I don't like killing things. Okay. Like I could kill, I could probably like kill a squirrel. Sure. Um, I'd probably just switch to fish at that point and just only okay. fish because killing those things I don't feel as bad about. But like if I had to kill a deer or something like that, like something big. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. There's just something about it. Oh, the bigger it is, it's it's a little more unnerving. I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but that's definitely a thing. It's like they have... It's like they're closer to being human just because of their size or something. Right. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but I feel like I could get myself to hunt and kill things. I feel like I, if I, if needed, I could kill somebody else if they're trying to hurt me or, or the people I was with. Um, but the thing that would take the most adjustment would be taking a dump in the ground. Hmm. Cause honestly, like that's like, I feel like I could totally rough it, but when it comes to like digging a hole, crapping, and then, like, <laughs> dude, I have a bidet. Like, I'm, I'm I, maxed I don't even, out. I don't even think. I love how your mind works because when I think apocalypse, that's the last thing that occurs to me. It's the last thing that pops into my mind too. But it's like the it's, it's the kind most of concerning though. Like that is it's something that you got to think about. Yeah, and I'm like a germaphobe, so like I'm like, do I wash my hands? Like, we've I'm not seen be able how to wash scarce toilet paper can become in yeah. times of need. Uh huh. It's true. So and what are we gonna do when those places, you know, completely shut down? Honestly, bidets, I think, are the future of that. Like of the you just wash with water. I think okay. that's, I think if everybody could just embrace the bidets, I've had one for like over a year now. Your bidet is the only bidet I've used. And 
it was intoxicating. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's it's it was weird great. and it's shocking the first time. They actually, when I was hooking it up the first time, uh, bidet water from a bidet touched my body was when I was setting it up, and I just like I'm like okay, I'm looking at it. I'm like crouching down in front of the toilet, and I just turn one of the knobs to see what happens, and it sprays me right in the face. It's unfortunate, <laughs> but fortunately it was clean. <laughs> but seriously, like. You, once you go bidet, you don't want to go back. Like, I get disappointed all the time when I'm in a public bathroom. And, like, I'll reach down to twist the knob. I'm like, oh. It's not there. I got to use paper. But. Wow. Um, so, yeah, all that to say. You're, like, you're living advanced, though, because I, I don't have a bidet in my house. So, you know, that's. I don't know if advanced is the right word. I think uh, spoiled or. <laughs> I'm, okay. okay. I'm, living, I'm living luxuriously, at least as far as my toilet goes. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a flex to have a bidet. Where would you go though? Like if if the apocalypse happened, crap hits the fan. Um, you know, I asked this shout out to the other podcast that I have with some friends, Eat uh-huh. My Shorts. I asked this question to them. So, have you seen the movie Red Dawn? No. So in 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 Red Dawn, what happens is uh, North Korea and Russia invade the U.S. and they like I think like Russia hits the West Coast and. Uh, North Korea hits the East Coast or, or, or something like that. Okay. So say two countries... Just get flanked. Yeah, like hit both the East and West Coast. They mm-hmm. establish footholds and they start like moving in. What do you do? Living where you are right now, Northern Indiana, what do you do? So in, in this in this apocalypse, we're talking we're talking bad people are showing up. Yeah. We're not talking zombies. Or we're, not talk, we're not talking zombies or natural disaster. Let's go okay. this route. Let's go this direction. So bad guys invading your home country. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the one year I lived in Texas side of me is like, just want to, just want to grab a gun and stand my ground and die like a hero. And then (laughs) Alamo baby. Right, right. Just pull an Alamo in, in the Midwest. (laughs) Midwest Um, Alamo. (laughs) Midwestern Alamo. At a Casey's gas station. (laughs) Remember the Alamo where the where the Wabowskis was was trying to invade and they was throwing corn at us every every which way. <laughs> Get held up That's... at a Casey's gas station, surrounded by corn. <laughs> Survive. We we survived a week on Casey's pizza. It was frozen and nuked it in the microwave. <laughs> You know that's a that's actually a strategy. Just hide in a cornfield. It's a thing. They'd never find you. They probably wouldn't. Uh-uh. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so seriously. Okay. So you wake up right. at, at five a.m. tomorrow morning, and your parents like busting into your room, and mm-hmm. you're like, you're like, hey, you know, we're being like invaded, whatever. Um, they don't have a plan. Sure. Or even you know, say they're out of town. Say they're. I don't know. Where's your? Where does your family live? Like your extended family? Oh, I've got family in Georgia, Texas. Say they're down in Georgia. Okay. You're home alone. Where Where do you go? What do you do? Okay, so so I've got a few thoughts going through my head. Okay. Right. I've got the one year in Texas side of me. Yep. Stand your ground. Die. Yep. I don't really want to do that though. Um, Last case scenario. I I think realistically, what I'd do is I try to go into hiding for just a couple of weeks. Just lay really really low if I could. Where do you hide? Your house. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of that would just depend. How's, how's the invasion going? Are they going after residential stuff? Are they more destroying larger cities? You know, it, it would, it would really depend 
on how they're invading. Mm-hmm. But I'd figure out a way to hide for a couple of weeks and wait for everybody to fail at fleeing the country. And after that idea has died down, <laughs> then I would do it. Then you do it. You wait, you wait until somebody figures it out and then you pay them whatever they need for that to happen. There you go. Or, you know, I, I'd want to wanna take some time and see all the ways to do it wrong. I want to see like, okay, this guy tried to flee the country. He did this and it failed. He's dead. So your, <clears throat> so your default, your default is escape. My default like, is absolutely escape. Yeah. Yep. Which I think isn't, that's if, not a bad. If we're getting flanked on both sides, I know better than to think I've got a shot of winning that. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm out of here. So okay, it's well, just, it's just a matter of how to survive those, those first couple of weeks, figure out how to get out. Well, let's say then you're, you're, you're headed to, let's just say, so since we're getting flanked, let's say, um, we're closer to Canada right now. So let's say you're headed to Canada to escape the country. Um, then back to Iceland. And then, sure, back to Iceland. <laughs> um, if Iceland gets flanked, though, you're screwed because you have no re- <laughs> you have no reaction time. <laughs> it's so small. It's well, it, it's it. It's small compared to other countries, but there's a lot. There's a lot there. That's true. And a lot of it is not populated. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of really remote areas um, in Iceland that aren't polluted by industry. Where, is there like wildlife that you can hunt and stuff like that out there? Because wildlife is kind of scarce, isn't it? There's a lot of fish. That's for sure. That's true. There's fish everywhere. You can always live off fish. But say you're okay. Say you're headed up to Canada. Sure. Um, and then you run across like a uh, a group of militia or whatever, and they're like, they're they're like the um, not re- what am I trying to say? Not the resilience. The uh, the resistance. The resistance. They're like the a part of the re- resistance. You find out there's like a network across the country of people that are like getting ready to fight back. Do you keep trying to get away and, and just get out of the country or do you join them? I'd be like, you guys are going to lose, but I really admire what you're doing. <laughs> I'll see you. Ah, the American spirit. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I've, I've seen Star Wars. You know, the, the, rebels, the rebels win and then the Empire always comes back and then there's more rebels and it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. That's true. That's humanity. <laughs> Star Wars. Um, Star Wars humanity. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, you do have a handicap. You're a diabetic, which is life-threatening if, if necessary. Indeed. So then you got to worry about... Um, getting insulin. Getting insulin. So probably one of, my, one of my first moves would be robbing a CVS mm. or a Walgreens. How long will that last you, though? Like if you bring a backpack and you just stuff it full of like insulin shots. I, I think I could last it a while if I could get everything on ice and freeze it. Hmm. I, I can make it much, much more long term. Um, I'd make some diet adjustments so yeah. that insulin is less necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd try to go, I try to steer clear of carbs that are unnecessary. Right. Right. So I'd, I'd, I'd find ways to to limit that so that I can limit the need for insulin intake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that'd be one of the first moves is stocking up on the on the diabetic supplies and doing that while it's still available. Can you like when you think of of like apocalypse and crap hitting the fan like this is there like a specific movie that comes to mind it's always world war z oh dude so always say, world war let's z. let's throw ourselves into that scenario Zombies? zombie apocalypse i'm so much more excited <laughs> by this than getting flanked by the russians and the south koreans North probably because you can kill a zombie with a baseball bat and feel absolutely nothing except exactly. ba exactly mm-hmm. yeah i um 
Yeah, I'm, I'm down with this. That's just I'm the like, plan. I'm liking the zombies. <laughs> zombies come, grab a baseball bat, go to town. So I don't want to kill anything rage. live. You know, well, zombies are alive. Well, they're they're undead. Do they? You're gonna, dude. You run in the Christian circles. They're gonna start asking. Well, do zombies have souls? You're gonna run across some like um, pacifist group of people, probably like Northern Indiana. I mean, dude, don't don't kill zombies. What do you think the Amish would do? Um, do you think the Amish would just hunker down? No, or? I I think that they wouldn't be checking the news, so they wouldn't get word of it, and then they'd all get wiped out. <laughs> so then there'd just be Amish zombies. And honestly, those would be the scariest ones because they got that, that, that they got beard. that farmer strength and the the farmer strength and the beard. Imagine a zombie with that beard. It's horrifying, Ugh. dude. Don't be an awful thing. But yeah, yeah, that that'd be the biggest thing. Is like I I don't want to kill people, but I could yeah. justify killing zombies. While while I was gone, I had a dream, and I I don't know how this how this dream even happened, but I felt like a complete psychopath. There was this guy, you know, presumably a bad guy, and we were out in the swamp, and. We were fighting, and you know, I, I hit this. Is, this is just in the dream. I hit the guy in the face, and all this stuff. Then I grabbed him, I put him in a chokehold, and I pulled him under the water in the swamp, and I like drowned this guy within an inch of his life. And then he's like, "Stop, stop!" And then I grabbed him again and legit drowned the dude. And then in this dream, I tried to reconcile with the fact that I was a murderer. Gosh. And I woke up, and it took me at least ten minutes to adjust back to normal life. Like it, Dude, it was traumatizing. I've had, I've had a dream. I had a dream once, and I was. <laughs> I'm so getting canceled. I'm saying so many questionable things on here. This, this is a dream, dude. <laughs> I had it's a dream. a dream. It's it's concerning. I had a dream once when I was younger, um, where I was like fencing or something. Like with, like I think it was back when I was watching a lot of The Princess Bride. So like. The way the kind of fighting that sword fighting they do in that movie yeah yeah i was doing it with my brother and i stabbed him oh. and i don't think like we were goofing around or something but then it got serious i don't remember i don't think he died but i remember feeling horrible even after i woke up um i have had dreams where i've done really horrible things and then you know you wake up and it's just like it takes you a minute it does but then you're so relieved <laughs> oh i know you're like oh i'm not a monster this feeling i didn't kill someone that's great yeah but well, like, nice so this feeling. was just a random dude in your dream. He didn't do anything. I I don't know. I in the dream, like it was it was kind of uh, implied to me somehow. Like, yeah, this guy's bad news. Huh. But I still didn't want to kill somebody. You know, you, know? you wonder then, because your subconscious drives your dreams. So you wonder if then you could actually do that in real life. Because if you're able to do it in a dream. Could you then do there's it in real some life? part of you that I think could do it in real life. I mean, I think, I think I, all people like we we are capable of really really awful stuff. Yeah, you know, if if just left to our own devices and our worst impulses, mm -hmm. you know, it'd, it'd be a disaster. Oh yeah, and I mean, arguably life is a disaster. Like it you is. look around and there's there's pedophiles and there's you know serial killers and really awful stuff. Yeah, it's nasty. Um, and you know that, that that some of that too, like the you know the kind of psychopaths and stuff you're talking about, you know that's even with modern medicine and things that you know supposedly at least help help control and keep a lid on you know some of these these tendencies that people have, uh -huh. you know, and there's still you know just this overabundance of of terrible stuff. So I, I really think what it what it comes down to is like humans are just bad news. <laughs>
We have, we have our. We need another plague. We need another plague. <laughs> we need another plague. God, can you send another flood, <laughs> please? Corona too. I'll take an L on this one. I mean, I'll die with everybody else. Just send a flood and start over. But I mean, then it's all gonna. I mean, we saw what happened with the first one. It like it reset, but then everybody just found their way back to the, the messed upness. Right. So that's the importance of the gospel, if you want to get into that. But um, we can always get into that. You can always get into that. What do you think of? Uh, what do you think of all the deconstruction stuff that's going on? Like, are you aware of this? So, like, do you know what deconstruction is? Like, spiritual deconstruction. Probably. So, Elaborate a little bit. So you know who Rhett and Link are, right? Yes, yes, yes. So they, uh, let me think. Not this last year, but I think January of 2019, uh, they have a podcast called Ear Biscuits. And yep. they had a couple of episodes where they basically said, like, we grew up in the evangelical church we were Christians, all this, but we no longer identify as Christians. And then they did a couple episodes on why and their whole story. And then like a year later, so like January, 2020, they like have a follow-up episode where they're like, just like an update of how it's gone now that they've like come out of the spiritual closet. quote unquote. Um, But the act of deconstruction, because they label the podcast episode, like our spiritual deconstructions. Okay is like um go you can go back and listen to the last podcast episode with than uh where we talk about a little bit but it's basically like if you were to go through deconstruction with a house so like you move into a house Mm -hmm. and it's a beater and uh it needs a lot of work so the process of deconstruction is you go through you examine the structural integrity of the house you rip out the bad stuff and you replace it with you know good stuff sure um so spiritual deconstruction then is you take your faith or your spiritual beliefs, whatever that is. Um, you could be an atheist and go through deconstruction, Christian, sure, sure. Buddha, whatever. Um, and you kind of dig through and you see if what you believe like stands up to, mm-hmm. uh, to cr- criticism, critique, what have you. Um, so Rhett and Link were like, it was a bombshell because a bunch of people, especially who have known of them for a long time, knew that they like made like very family friendly content. Like they never cussed. They never like what got sexual or anything. <clears throat> so there are people who like suspected that they were Christians, but nobody really knew for sure. Okay. But they had done like some skits in the past that were like Christian and whatever. Hmm. Um, but they never talked about it. Like okay, for so five, this was a big deal them it, them saying that because yeah. of the speculation that it happened. Yeah, it was okay. it was a big deal, especially because like I feel like half of their fan base are Christian homeschoolers. I can testify to that. Yeah, definitely. I was homeschooled. Same for a bit. Yeah, that's right. You you weren't all the way through. No, definitely not. But uh, yeah. So, but I'm still a homeschooler yeah. at, at heart in my own way. But yeah, so Rhett and Link. Uh, they did it. They deconstructed, and um, deconstruction itself isn't a bad thing. That's just testing your faith and your beliefs. Sure, sure. But you know, then their faith—the conclusion that they came to, yeah, right. Sad. That, that's it's unfortunate. So Rhett and Link deconstructed. Um, you know the band Hawk Nelson. Mm, I don't think they were so. like a. They were big Christian like rock band back in the day. Okay. Um, they lost their lead singer. This other guy, John Steingard, from the band stepped up. 
And then they've got like super Christian, like they were a super Christian band. And then their lead singer, um, uh, deconstructed. And now he has like a whole YouTube channel just about like deconstruction and whatever. Interesting. Um, and then did uh, he end up walking away from the Lord as well with yeah. his deconstruction? Okay. So he identifies now as like, um, it's really interesting. Even Rhett and Link kind of, they still identify as agnostic. Yeah. So they're like, like uh, uh, John Steingard came at it in a very interesting way. He said, he's like, now I feel like I'm coming to the table completely empty handed. Cause he like, he's like, now that I no longer believe in the Bible or like the, the, the Christian view of God, mm-hmm. Who is God? Like, what is like, what is he like? Whatever. Like, he's coming. So he's not necessarily he's, doing away with the idea of of there possibly being a God, but yeah. it's he's just rejected like the Christian view. Okay, so maybe he's thing. got like more of a deistic standpoint of yeah. like there could there could be a God, but right doesn't have any practical implications for how we live today or right. any a- interaction with our current world. Yeah, basically, okay. yeah rejecting yeah. the Christian worldview and then coming at it. So he's right now, he's a lot of these guys are, and even Rhett and Link are still saying that they're still looking for truth. Yeah. And if you're actively looking for truth, then I applaud you for that, regardless of where you stand, um, whether or not they actually are only they can answer. Sure. But, um, right now, John Steingart is pulling like from all sorts of stuff. Like he actually says right now that he's rejected, um, the Christian faith. He's actually been more, he's been reading more scripture because he's coming at it from a completely clean slate, which I think both of us coming from growing up in the church and you are, you're a PK, your dad's a pastor. And I was sort of similar. Um, but like coming from that where you can't remember a time where this mindset wasn't like, yeah, where, where it wasn't so prominent, you know, growing up in that. Yeah. We've never come at, come at this from a completely clean perspective that's the thing nobody ever comes to well i say nobody generally most people don't come at this you know idea of um you know religion of any kind or or just your beliefs about humanity life the meaning of of all of this i don't think anybody comes at that question completely unbiased absolutely you've come from somewhere absolutely Every decision, everything you come into, you come in with a bias. Yeah. Of some kind. Especially this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because I, I think it's such a big question. And I think no matter who you are, like you, you've grown up around people, you know, either that all have the same belief or you've grown up with diverse beliefs. You're, you're getting fed some kind of information. Yeah. About this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, this is an interesting topic. I, th- I think I have more to say about this than I do about zombies. Oh, that's fine. So. <laughs> you, okay. Uh, the why, Okay. So this is this is the this is the one of the bigger kickers. Yeah. Um. So you know, um, that whole I dis I I dis <laughs> I kissed dating goodbye, like thing. Sure. Yeah. Um. You know, so the guy who wrote the book, he had like a study on it. I remember watching like these video studies that he did, like. Basically, his whole thing was, you know, it's like, as Christians, we need to stop dating because, like, it's bad for how we look at marriage and whatever, like, save your first kiss for the altar and all this stuff, super conservative stuff. Okay. He, within, I think in 2020, he deconstructed. Really? Yeah, I think he uh, um, he divorced his wife. I can't remember if he was uh, having an affair with somebody else or not, but mm-hmm. I know they, they divorced. He, like... Um, 
he deconstructed, says he no longer believes in this stuff. He pulled his books and whatever off, of, like he he unpublished them, all sorts wow. of stuff. And there's a ton of people that are just you know pissed at him, yeah. understandably. Um, I can imagine if he was having an affair, there's a lot he wasn't saving for the altar. Then. Yeah, such a <laughs> such a big guy with purity too, right. and the whole thing. Okay, but so even like he's done it, and there's like there's all of these people, and then to add on top of all this, you have all those like big Christian leaders who are being outed with Me Too and stuff like yeah, that. Like, yeah. So like it's hard as a Christian right now, especially at our age when we haven't really tested our faith much or it hasn't been tested. Um, it's really hard to like not question, you know, like, is this legit? Cause you got all these people and they're all going back on what they said I don't know. Uh, That's one of the most unnerving things oh, as yeah. a Christian is seeing people who have professed that their entire life and have said and done things that have impacted, you know, the lives of other believers in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know. Are you familiar with uh, Ravi Zacharias at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, huge, huge leader in, in the Christian faith and I think passed away maybe last year. Yeah. And then all of these allegations about him and sexual assault came out after he had passed away. Yeah. And I mean that that to me was a huge deal. Our um you know, our family was uh you know, it, it kind of at the early days of quarantine, we had spent a lot of time just at home alone together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd still try to do kind of a, a church of some kind. So we'd um you know, we'd worship together on Sunday mornings and we'd listen to sermons. Right. Um and we we listened to Ravi Zacharias a lot. Mm-hmm. And um you know, there were a lot of things that he said that I found super helpful. And I, I think we listened to something maybe the day after he passed away, one of the more famous messages he had given. Um, and it was like deeply impactful to me. It was, it was huge. And then I hear about all this stuff a few months later that he had done. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was almost just like backtracking and thinking through some of the things that he had said and the way they had impacted me. And I'm like, okay, is that, is that still legit? You know, like, can what he was saying been true? Did he even believe what he was saying? Yeah. You know, like, was he a true believer? Was he just a complete fraud? Mm-hmm. Was he a believer that, you know, just was sinful in in ways that, you know, are hypocritical, of course, but... Right. Was it, like, the same for him to, like, do all this sexual stuff as it is? Like, I think it's pretty clear that, like, I'd say at least 90% of... I don't know the exact statistic, but I think at least 90% of the guys in the church um, like watch porn regularly. So like, okay. would it, was it just as natural for him to, you know, do these sexual things with actual people as it is for like us to like watch porn like regularly? Um, like even though it's not necessarily like something that, you know, your average Christian guy, like he like, He's like, all right, I'm going to watch porn today and tomorrow and all this. It's just like, oh, it happened again. You know, I didn't want it to happen, but it happened again sort of thing. Like, you wonder if it just became a part of his, you know. His, Was that just something rhythm. he kind of lived in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is actually, it's kind of interesting because I kind of, um, it's it's the whole like, I don't trust you if I can't see your dark side sort of thing. Um, but I actually kind of like, everybody has, you know, their big struggle. Um and I actually, when, like, it's really interesting. Some people, they wear it on their sleeve and some people don't. Like, when I look at an overweight person or somebody who's just very out of shape, I know, like, all right, like, one of the big things this person struggles with is probably self-discipline, 
um, you know, just not like self-control and all this stuff. And it's just super apparent because they mm-hmm. literally wear it on themselves. Sure. Um, but then there's other people that it's not as apparent. Um, and yeah, you just never know what somebody's. Right. I mean, I mean, I think, I think one of the big things to remember and, um, you know, not using this to justify things that, that clearly are issues that need to be looked at. But, you know, like you're saying, I think, I think everyone, you know, Christian or not believer or not has sin that they struggle with. And and, and a lot of times it it is habitual, you know, at least Uh to some extent. And I think that looks different for everybody. Uh Um, so yeah, I mean that, that was kind of one of the things I was asking myself. I was like, did he truly believe all the things he was saying? Yeah. And then, you know, just struggle with this. Did he fight it or did he let it happen? You know, like the the scary thing is like, um, and there's no way to know really. Yeah. The scary thing is, is a lot of these people. So, um, John Steingard from Hawk Nelson and Rhett and Link both, um, like they have like hour, hour and a half long podcast episodes, basically that you can just look up on YouTube where they talk about the whole struggle they went through from like the moment where they started kind of doubting and then, you know, they were like freaked out because, you know, you've grown up in this, this is your life, this is part of your identity. How can you question it? Um, And then they start questioning it and then like it's hard, but then, you know, they end up coming out of it and rejecting it. Mm -hmm. Um, But like they're convinced, like Rhett at least, um, and Rhett Link, it was like convinced that he was like a Christian uh, or if a Christian was a real thing to him, like if, if, if being a Christian is real like that, I was, I was that like, he said he was like in conversation, like Jesus, like, you know, like he had a relationship and all this stuff. So these people are, were convinced that they were Christians. Like they were, they were deep. They were all in. Yeah. Like Rhett and Link were literally in campus crusade for Christ for like, I think it was like three or five years. Okay. Like selling their souls to the ministry. Um, so like they're convinced and that's freaky because it's kind of like, I mean, I'm kind of convinced right now, you know, like that. I mean, I have, I've, I'd say that I'm in, I, over the past couple of years and I'm still in it, I'm still in like a point of deconstruction where I'm kind of like when I'm reading the Bible and I read something like that doesn't make sense. Like that contradicts what Jesus says or something like that. Um, doesn't mean that it does. It just means that was my perception of it. And before I was starting to go through deconstruction, I like, I would just, breeze through that that verse and not come back to it and sweep it under the rug but now i'm like okay this has to make sense or this whole thing doesn't make sense so i'll dig in i'll actually read you know that that passage i'll go back and cross reference or whatever yeah. you know i'll look up stuff on it so i'm uh i'm in I'm still in the process of like that deconstruction well, i think that's huge and i think super that healthy i think it, it's one of the things that, that makes this confusing, right? You, you see people like that who have their lives apparently devoted to ministry. You know, mm-hmm. they're doing all these things. And then suddenly, or maybe suddenly to us, but not so suddenly to them, they, they have this whole, you know, they go through the deconstruction process. And then they come out the other side saying, like, I no longer believe in Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't identify as a Christian anymore. Yeah. And I think that right there is why deconstruction is so important for believers to go through. Uh, I think, I think we all need to do that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's a one-time thing. I think, I think it's, it is somewhat ongoing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, There's but, a, I think there is a point where you hit where it's like, okay, I, I have enough information. I've checked this out enough. I believe in it. And then there's probably things that come up later, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and some people too just process these things differently. You know, there's, there's some believers who I think have a very easy time accepting what they believe and they truly do believe it. It's not, you know, some wishy-washy thing. They really yeah. are, you know, have these deep relationships with Christ and it's very easy for them to believe. But then you have people, you know, I, I know people, I have family members who are, are just naturally skeptical. Mm-hmm. And I think these people, you know, while they, they are Christians, they are constantly wrestling with doubt. They're constantly in this process of very heavy deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that looks different for everybody. Um, you know, for, for myself, I don't consider myself necessarily as much of a skeptic, but I did, I did have this point, um, you know, a few years ago and still to this day, it's kind of something I, I have on my mind. Um, like you said, we both obviously grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor growing up, mm-hmm. you know, so I grew up very much involved in the Christian faith being, you know, in a family that does ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was a huge thing. And I think that there, there was this point maybe when I was 15 or 16 or so, and I'd actually, I was, I was baptized when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think, um, prior to being baptized, I was, I was kind of expecting to feel more reassured after being baptized. But after I was, I actually had more of this question mm-hmm. in my mind. I was like, okay, is this all stuff that I truly believe for myself? Or is this stuff that I've just grown up to believe? Yeah. You know, and it's not like I was brainwashed or anything growing up. It's not like I was being, you know, necessarily force fed this stuff in an unhealthy way, but it was yeah. very prominent in my life. So I had to ask this question of, you know, is this true to me or is it just true to the people around me and mm-hmm. therefore prominent in my life? Right. You know, and there's there's a huge difference between the two. Yeah. But I think it can definitely appear as a very fine line and something that um, everybody has to ask themselves at some point. And I, th- I think it's I think it's more difficult for Christians that have grown up in the church oh, yeah. to make that definitely. distinction. You know, I, I don't remember who said this. It was, it was the simplest thing. They just had said um, that the... You know, when you come to faith in Christ, it should be huge and life changing, mm-hmm. obviously. But I think it's it can be harder to see that when you've grown up in the church, as it would be yeah. maybe for somebody that's that's been living, you know, in a third world country in poverty or something, and then they they come to Christ and they have this drastic change, and they go to believing something that they've never known to be true. Yeah, there's a you know Tim Hawkins. Yeah. He has a bit, uh, he's a comedian, for those of you who don't know, and uh, he has a bit where he's like, yeah, you know, you're sitting there in church, and they have like the guy give up, stand up and give his testimony, and afterwards you just feel like crap. You're like, oh, man, his testimony was awesome. Right. I have a horrible one. I wish I was addicted to crack. <laughs> and that, But that's a thing. It is like, a thing. You as, don't as notice. As as it is, it's a thing. Yeah, there's not like this instantaneous moment necessarily when you've grown up in the church, and you're like... Like, I think you do hit a point where it all starts making sense. Like, you have smaller mm-hmm. breakthrough moments, and you do get that excitement. But, yeah, you know, you're totally, like... It's not the same as... It, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that that feels the same as someone who's lived a life, you know, addicted to, to drugs or, or you name it, you know? Yeah. Anything, and then has this drastic change. You know, I, I think especially being saved growing up, like, I 
I hardly even had the time or opportunities to make mistakes like that and, and live a life, you know, that, that far on the other side of the spectrum. Right. You know, so yeah. I, I don't think that in any way that means that your conversion is not genuine or that your conversion it's, it's, isn't a drastic change from the life you're living, but it, it may not be as clear of a line as it would be if you were, if you were living in a different way. Right. It's not necessarily as dramatic. Right. Yeah. I think honestly, so it reminds me, so this feeling of, I think the important thing is that you don't shy away from deconstruction. You don't shy away from asking the tough questions. When you have doubt, you don't run from it. Um, and honestly, I get this feeling. Um, so in my first relationship, with my first girlfriend, um, the relationship lasted just over two years. Um, and it shouldn't have lasted that long. We were, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that healthy of a relationship, but it was our first relationship and we were just like bearing through it because we thought like maybe we were supposed to just stick it out. Um, and I had this feeling that like, you know, I think we should break up. Like I had the feeling, but I was too scared to deal with it because I knew that was going to be a really hard being confrontational. Yeah. It it was going to be super hard to actually do. Um, so I never did it. And I think she felt the same way. Yeah. Um, and I get the exact same feeling of, of, of like that with deconstruction where it's like, I'm scared to do it because I'm afraid that if I, if I do have that confrontation, right. That I'm going to lose something. What's well, terrifying, to me. you know, whether it's whether it's your faith or a relationship to look your familiar life in the eyes and then challenge it. Yeah. Something like that, you know, that that could have implications that completely change your life. Yeah. I, th- I think that's uncomfortable for anyone mm-hmm. to just look at this familiar way of living and then wonder, is it going to hold up to this question? Yeah. Or this challenge? I think you need to be you're biggest priority needs to be to find truth because the Bible says that God is truth. And it also says that if you seek God, you'll find him. Um, so you fact check me on this. I might be, I might be misconstruing this, but if you're seeking God and you'll find him, and if God is truth, then if you're seeking truth, you'll find truth, you'll find God. Um, and I think that even if you're not searching for God specifically and you're just searching for truth, God sees that and he respects it. I think your heart attitude is what he sees. And I think he'll reveal himself to people who are searching for truth. So what about, just to challenge that question, people who spend their life searching for truth, so to speak, and then die an atheist or die agnostic? I would argue that they weren't truly looking for truth. I don't, well, I mean, it's possible too that they were genuinely searching for truth and it's possible that God did reveal himself to them in one way or the other, but they rejected it. Okay. Um, I actually think, so it's a very hot topic sort of question, especially in like college small groups to be like, you know, well, you know, there's all these tribes out in the jungle who have never heard the gospel. Right. You're telling me that they're dying and going to hell. Um, I think, because then what often people will answer that with is like, uh, well, you know, because there's verses in the Bible that say, uh, you look around, you see nature, you have no excuse. 
clearly there's a creator. Like, totally paraphrasing, but that's basically what people say. Um, so it's like, yes, but these people out in the wilderness, like, this is why it's so important. They're either in one or two camps. One, these people should see nature, see that there's a creator, and then somehow they're saved from that. Or camp two, that is why it's so important for us to go and find these people and share the gospel with them, because if we don't, then they will go to hell. Because unless they hear the clear gospel, they will not. Uh, right. they, they'll, they'll die and go to hell. Um, I think, so this is currently what I subscribe to, totally liable to change. Um, I think that based on the, uh, on the idea or the theory that if we truly seek God that he, or seek truth, that he'll reveal himself to us. Um, I think if I'm some kid in, uh, in the jungle, never heard the gospel and I'm looking at nature, I think that does spark something in me where I'm like, okay, this has a creator. Like, and they, they, they've figured out as much. I mean, you run across these tribes and a lot of them have, they've created gods for themselves. You know, they've created right. religions that explain where this all came from. Sure. So I'm some kid, I'm out in the jungle. I look at nature. I think, okay, there has to be something to this. There has to be a creator. I think that spark is all you need to start asking the questions. Okay. Who created it? Yeah. And then as this kid in the jungle, I'm going to start looking for truth, whatever that looks like. Right. And obviously that doesn't mean that I go to the library and start reading stuff because there's probably no library. But if I'm truly pursuing truth, then I think God will see that honor that. And somehow some way I will hear the gospel before I die. Um, and I've heard there's uh, some testimony of these, uh, these this people group who were d- discovered, and there's a missionary there, and th- this people group was like, yeah, there's this like basically this angel, like this person in white, like mm-hmm. deistic whatever, shows up, like they've sh- he's shown up for months, and he dictates to us, and we write down what he dictates, and so the missionary looks at at what these people have been writing down for months, and it's like word for word the Gospel of John. Wow. Um, and I think that, I think that when God, I think if we're truly seeking truth, that God will reveal himself in supernatural ways, if that's what it takes. Hmm. But that's also why we're here, the body of Christ, to do that. Right. Fulfill right. the but, great commission, which we've been called to. But when we fail, God doesn't fail. And he, he, mm-hmm. he keeps his promises. And he promised that if we seek him, we'll find him. Yeah, I, I think that... I think people seeking truth have have an opportunity to come to Christ. I, I don't think anyone, you know, that that spent their entire life seeking truth could could face judgment and say, "Well, I wanted to believe in God, but I I wasn't able to." Right. You know, I, I think if you're truly seeking truth, then there has to be some kind of opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, if if you believe in in absolute truth, there there has to be some kinds of absolute questions. You know, because yeah. I, th- I think no matter who you are, we all have these questions of like, where where did I come from? Where did we come from? Mm-hmm. What's the point of being here? Yeah, you know the, these questions that that sound really simple and basic, but really they're they're some of the deepest questions in the universe. It's like where mm-hmm. where did how did all this happen, and what are we supposed to do? And you can run circles around yourself for your entire life 
overthinking those questions. Absolutely. You at some point though, you have to plant your flag in the ground. You have to gather information, absolutely, and that takes time. Gather information, make a decision, and then plant your flag in the ground and stick with that. You hope so at least. I mean, I I, I truly do think that there's people who who spend their whole life searching. Mm-hmm. But I think I think those people um maybe they truly haven't found the truth yet or they, I don't know. I think, I think, I don't think you have to search your whole life. I think finding God isn't that, isn't that difficult. Um, if you're truly searching for him. Right. But I don't know. Like, like we've said, we've grown up in the church the whole time. And this is assuming that Christianity is true. Um, which again, deconstruction, <laughs> maybe yeah, spend some time and figure it out. It's important. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, from the the deconstruction I have done personally, mm-hmm. you know, I I am sure of what I believe, but at the same time, I'd I'd be lying if I if I said that like that process of deconstruction is ever truly over. Yeah, you know, I I think no matter how faithful of a Christian you are, there there's still these doubts and questions that happen naturally mm-hmm. sometimes, and I, I think the important thing is how we respond to them. You know, yeah. when when we have doubts, do we let them fester and just eat away at the things we believe, or do we do we go back to the word or back to the people around us? You know, do we lean into worship? What are we What are we doing to answer these questions? Are we Are we truly trying to find truth, or are we just letting those questions just kind of, you know? Here's Here's one of the dig que- into everything. Here's one of the questions that I've had. Um, so as I've brought up like my deconstruction to people mm-hmm. um, like pastors and like, I think I talked to Tyler Holder about it and John Sager and whoever else. Tyler's a great guy. Tyler's like, awesome. I love Tyler. Shout Tyler, out, if shout you're out listening, to Tyler Holder. You were like in my top favorite humans. He's just he's such an enjoyable guy to be around. I he love, is. I love Tyler. Tyler, I'm sorry for not coming to the beach today. I am too. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of dropped the ball on that. But to be fair, none of us knew it was happening until like the day of. Uh, but um, as I brought up my deconstruction to people, they're all like, this is good. Um, you know, dig into stuff. Don't do it alone, one. Um, that's huge. Yeah. And I think that's that's in part because of two, which is um, be aware of where you're getting your truth or where you're searching for truth. Mm-hmm. Um because if I'm questioning God and my, my motive is because deep down I don't want to have to abide by the Christian laws or rules anymore, right? then I'm probably going to find myself going to places that support the worldview that Christianity isn't true. And then I'm You're going to go looking that. for things to back what you want to believe. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and, and doing it with people um, helps prevent that and helps you encourage, encourage you to stay true, I guess. But... My question is, because I've even read this in the Bible, I can't remember where. It's somewhere in the New Testament. Um, well, actually, it's uh, Psalms or Proverbs, um, like meditate on on God. Uh, like, the wise meditate on God's word day and night or something like that. I think it's Psalm 1, actually. You know, I'm going to just, uh, so, so I don't butcher it, look it up. But um, Never a bad bet. The whole thing is just like... Uh, Hold on, do, 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 Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I should know these in order. Thank goodness for the Bible app. Psalm 1, um, do, do, do. 
Psalm one verse two. But those who just, but who, but who's the? Oh, um, let me just. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. And I've seen it other places in the Bible where it's talking about meditating on the law, meditating on God's word day and night, mm-hmm. which, to be fair, like is a very good thing. If the Bible is true, you should be meditating on it day and night. It's literally the word of God given to us. Yes, it has everything you need for life. Um, but that being said, like if you meditate on anything day and night, you're going to, it's, you're going to get brainwashed by it. You're going to, if you tell me every minute of every day that, um, let me think, uh, that spinach is the best food ever. And like, I like, then if you tell me that every minute of every day, all I'm going to be able to think about is spinach. And then right. eventually I'm going to be like, this is the best food ever. Sort of well, thing. It's, it's just this, this challenge that no matter where you go, it's impossible to escape some amount of prejudice, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think knowing that makes it scary to know what to believe. It's like, if I can't escape prejudice can i be sure of anything but i think i think it is very very possible to find truth and still have prejudice and still encounter prejudice Hmm. what do you mean by prejudice just just being biased yeah you know i i think um yeah i mean i mean no matter where you go there's a bias towards something Mm -hmm. that's just impossible to escape but but i don't think it's impossible to find truth just because there's bias yeah I think too, um, my buddy Than was on the last episode and he's mm-hmm. like an aspiring philosopher and apologist. And I've had a bunch of conversations with him and there's literally no way to prove that anything is real. Like <laughs> talking to him, that's as much as I've learned. Like you cannot definitively prove that right now you're not in a simulation sort of thing. Um, so I think, I mean, I think faith does play a role in it. Um, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Romans 10, 17, for faith comes from by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So again, pointing you back to the scripture. The only reason, I'm not a Bible nut, the only reason I was able to pull those two verses out of my butt was because uh, they're uh, part of my martial arts training for each belt we get. We have to memorize like a couple verses. Okay. So that's why that's I know cool. those. But... um. Those, uh, I think faith does play a role in it. It absolutely does. We because have, yeah. I, I think that um, no matter how sure you are of your faith, it there's just there's 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 things that we can't provide evidence for in the way that some people are looking. You know, if if they're looking for absolute scientific proof of God, mm-hmm. you know that that's not available in the ways that some people want it to be or trying to find yeah Yeah. and you know i i I don't think that that means that god is not real but i think that the way that he reveals himself to us is not in the ways that some people want it to be yeah you know and and some people just have these standards of i need this kind of proof in order to believe yeah one of the biggest reasons why um i'm still like why i haven't uh rejected the Christian faith. There's a couple of reasons. 
but one of which is it hasn't been one big groundbreaking moment. It's a bunch of these small moments that are just like, I can't really explain this. Mm -hmm. Like I've gone through, um, like personally challenging things over the past few months. And at the peak of one of those challenges for like three days straight, I was getting like, I would like, the, what I was reading in the Bible directly spoke into my situation, like frighteningly spoke directly straight into it. Yeah. And it's stuff like that where I'm just kind of like this, the, the, the idea that there's a God and this is, and this word, this, the Bible is his word and he's speaking to me and he loves me. That idea is, makes a ton of sense with what I'm experiencing right now. Like he's showing me things in his word that are helping me right now. Right. And stuff like that is just, it's hard to shake. Um, well, it's, it's huge because I think, you know, in, in deconstruction, when you're, when you're looking, looking for proof, you're looking for answers to questions and, you know, there, there's historical records, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's multiple manuscripts of the Bible. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's historical evidence that, that Jesus was a real person. You know, the, the Old Testament, the events that were recorded actually happen. Right. There is a certain amount of historical evidence of these things, mm-hmm. but that is often not the thing that convinces me. What convinces me, I, I think it can be different for different people, but on part it is that, you know, I, I do think that there are plausible and logical reasons to believe in the Christian faith. But some of the biggest things is it's just, I have seen change in my life because of the things that I believe and I've seen God work directly in my life mm-hmm. in ways that I just can't deny. Yeah. And you know, that is, it's one of those things that like, you know, people, people can tell you it's biased or you're seeing it, you know, only the way you want to see it. But there are things in my life. I mean, just specific prayers that God has answered in times of need that I'm like, there's, there's just no way mm-hmm. that's coincidence. It, it just can't be. Yeah. You know, and, when I've reached out to God in desperation, asking for help or asking for these things, and then just seeing very, very clear answers to prayer, mm-hmm. you know, I I think that's one of those things that you know, obviously, I think a non-believer doesn't doesn't see that in the same way, but it's just it's things I want to tell people. I'm like, if you could see the way that God has changed my life and the things that God has done in my life, mm-hmm. it'd be very easy to see why I believe this. And that's like, that's something that, I mean, people can't, they need to have their own spiritual, they need to have their own journey, their, their own, their own, uh, they need to search for truth themselves. Yeah. Because when they do, then they will, because like these things, like I could tell you the specific things in my life where God like spoke directly to me. Right. Um, but it wouldn't convince you. Because you're from the outside, you're like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it, but I don't know. Like I've heard, I've heard firsthand accounts of people who have like, you know, prayed for people and like demons have come out and like they've seen the manifest and all this stuff, and that's like super conclusive for them. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Right. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't really say. Well, that's that's why deconstruction is important. Yeah. Because you have to you have to find these things for yourself. You know, growing up, I had seen answered prayers, but it was seeing, you know, potentially my my parents prayers being answered or prayers of people in my church being answered. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't my prayers being answered. And while I didn't, you know, I didn't try to, to disprove that 
that those prayers were being answered. It, it just, it wasn't personal. And I think that point where you deconstruct what you actually believe, right? it, it becomes a lot more personal when you know yeah. you're believing in. It's not just the things that are fed to you by the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I hate to cut this short at all, but you said that you're kind of whooped, and also I told my roommate we'd be done recording about 10.30 because he's got to be up early tomorrow morning. Okay. So, thank you, Stephen, for being on. You'll definitely be back, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. This is seriously fun. I, I haven't done a podcast before, and I see why people like doing oh, this. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. It's a blast. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. I'll see you next time. Deuces. Deuces.